Well, hey everyone, and welcome to the seventh and final week of Storytellers, where we are exploring simple truths with eternal impact through story. Now, it's hard to believe that we've arrived at the end. Now, this series has been so much fun for us to create, and we've been so encouraged by every single story we've had the opportunity to share, as well as the stories that you have sent in. Thank you so much for sharing your story. We've experienced scripture being brought to life in an entirely new way through the art of storytelling, and we've seen just how relevant Jesus's teachings are today. And we began this journey seven weeks ago, learning about what parables are and how they help us see God in the world around us. We took an episode and zoomed way out to see that the Bible is a collection of real life stories that all tell one singular story of how God is moving in the world. We investigated why we resonate so deeply with stories and how stories often teach us about their storyteller. Ultimately, we've seen how Jesus uses stories and parables to show us who we are, who God is, and how we each fall into God's grand story of redemption for the entire world. Even though our time together is coming to an end, I still recommend that you stick with the parables. I hope that you make reading, meditating on them, and discussing them a regular part of your routine. You know, there are over 30 parables, so you could even commit to reading one per day for a month. Maybe you consider joining or leading a small group that digs into the parables. Just something to think about. You know, something that we need to make sure that we don't miss before we finish out this series is the importance of actually applying the parables to our lives. Now, we've said it a few times during this podcast, but let me say it again. Scripture is not meant only for information, but it's also meant for transformation. When we hear a parable, if all we do is nod and listen without applying it, y'all, we've completely missed the whole point of the parable. Jesus's half-brother James sums it up best in chapter one of his letter titled James. He says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Y'all, honestly, this passage is one that often makes me chuckle because the idea of forgetting what you look like right after seeing your face in a mirror is an absurd idea. But James points out that it is equally absurd for us to listen to God's word without living it out. The words contained in the Bible are beautiful, but our faith only comes alive when we live it. While Jesus taught these parables, many folks would scoff and say things like, I don't have time to do this, or this guy sounds crazy. These would be folks who would be described as those who have ears, but they're not hearing. But others who heard Jesus's words would go home and meditate on them. They would consider the implications of them and compare them with the scripture that they had and trusted companions. This process would take time but by turning them over and over, they would come to see that what Jesus was teaching was true and that they wanted to be a part of it. We know that people started applying what Jesus taught because a movement started in Jerusalem 2000 years ago. 
That movement would end up changing the entire world. And it was a movement that was founded on more than belief. It was founded on belief in action. Now you and I are here participating in this podcast because the people who came before us were so undone by the gospel of Jesus that it changed their whole lives. It changed their families and it changed the world. They listened and then they lived. And now you and I have the opportunity to do the same. The word of God is only effective when we, through the help of the Holy Spirit, apply it to our lives. Now, a perfect example of this is the parable that we are finishing this series with. It's often titled, The Widow's Offering. Now, this is really interesting because this parable actually happened. So Jesus and his disciples are finishing out their journey in Jerusalem, and they're sitting outside the temple watching people come by and deposit money as their offering. Jesus notices a widow doing something that causes him to stop and comment on what he is seeing. They are witnessing a real life parable unfolding before their eyes. At this moment, Jesus doesn't have to create a fictional story to teach an idea. He simply points out that the kingdom of God is being displayed right in front of them. Before we dive into this scripture, I want to point out two things. Like we discussed in episode one, widows were among the most vulnerable in this society. So it would not be a surprise that she was very poor. But although she was poor, she displayed an act of generosity that Jesus could not ignore. Her generosity was giving her all. The second thing that I want you to know is that this is one of the last teachings that Jesus gave to his disciples before he made his journey toward the cross. So maybe it's the case that he wanted a visceral reminder of suffering, faith, and ultimate sacrifice resting in their minds at this exact moment. So here is the parable of the widow's offering. If you want to read along with me, go to Mark 12. We'll be starting in verse 41. I'll be reading out of the message translation. Sitting across from the offering box, he, Jesus, was observing how the crowd tossed money in for the collection. Many of the rich were making large contributions. One poor widow came up and put in two small coins, a measly two cents. Jesus called his disciples over and said, the truth is that this poor widow gave more to the collection than all the others put together. All the others gave what they'll never miss. She gave extravagantly what she couldn't afford. She gave her all. That's it. That's the entire parable. Short as it is, so much can be pulled from this story. But Jesus gives the biggest takeaway in verse 44, that giving and tithing generosity isn't about what's in our wallets, it's about what is in our heart. This woman couldn't afford to give up the two coins that she gave as an offering, which makes it a true sacrifice. It's something that Jesus could not ignore. So let's use the tools that we learned from a few weeks ago. This parable follows the rule of two. The widow's actions are being compared against the actions of everyone else. 
But Jesus also brings in some shock value. In the eyes of the world, she gave the least. In the eyes of Jesus, she gave the most. The point is clear. The belief that she had was manifest in her behavior. She lived her faith even when it didn't make sense. And that is what true faith looks like. This story reminds me of one simple truth. Our belief directs our behavior and our behavior reveals our belief. The widow believed in the power of living her faith and that was revealed in her actions. You know, this is true in all the areas of our lives, that belief directs behavior and behavior reveals belief. Of course, we can say we believe anything, but our behavior will reveal what we truly believe. If you wanna know what's most valuable to you, all you have to do is look at your bank statement. What are the priorities in your life? Well, what do you say yes and no to? What do you believe is most important? What goes on your calendar first? What do you believe about God? Your habits will reveal the answers. All of us have gaps in between what we say we believe and how we actually behave. That's a part of being human. But Jesus taught his followers to lean into his power and grace to shrink that gap as much as possible. I'll be honest, it can be uncomfortable to admit to ourselves that we don't always live out what we say we believe. But personally, I wanna be committed to not ignoring the things that make me uncomfortable because the things that we ignore are the things that end up controlling us. Leave a garden unattended, it won't bear fruit. Don't care for the relationships with your children, you'll spend years fixing those issues. Don't care for your home, one day you'll be forced to move from it. Ignore the needs of your body and one day your body will dictate how you feel and what you can and cannot do. It's the same with how we live our faith. Jesus uses these parables, even real life ones, to challenge us to actually put our faith into action, to let our beliefs be backed up by our behaviors. This brings us to our final storyteller for this series. I want to introduce you to my friend, Marissa Martinez, who is our Central Ministries Coordinator here at Crosspoint and is no stranger to the Crosspoint podcast. If you listened to our Awaken series, you will recognize her voice. Now, in the process of creating this series, Marissa approached our team with an experience about the importance of tithing and giving that completely changed the way that she views and spends her money. And like the poor widow, Marissa's tithe, her gift, it was a true sacrifice. For those of us trying to figure out what it means to honor God with our life and even our money, there is wisdom to be found in Marissa's story. So growing up, I watched my dad put money in the so-called offering plate at church on Sundays. He would faithfully put either a check or cash and would always give me $1 to put in myself. And you know, it was a really fun tradition. Mostly just saw it was something you did after you prayed on Sundays. And then fast forward to my 20s, I was finally on my own and making money. And I would occasionally throw cash in the bucket passed around on a Sunday, but still continue to think tithing or giving 10% of my hard-earned paycheck wasn't something I could afford. I kind of felt entitled to keep what I had earned and didn't know much about context or history of tithing. I was also living paycheck to paycheck in my 20s, and I thought, well, what if I need it? Or, you know what, someday I'll give when I have plenty. 
Fast forward to my 30s, I had a really good friend and a leader in my life who looked at me and said, Marissa, do you know why we tithe? And I couldn't answer because I honestly didn't know. I mean, I had the question like, does God need my money? Does the church need my money? Is that why we tithe? This very, very gracious friend was kind enough to go into the Word of God and explain why we as believers tithe. He told me that the kindness of God is why we tithe and how in the scriptures, God asked for the first harvest, 10% of it, because God knew that the second harvest was going to be even more abundant. Proverbs 3, 9 through 10 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. So that's a perfect example of how God just asked for that 10% of the first harvest. And then in the second, it would be so much more abounding. So that made me really start thinking about what would that look like if I really started tithing. God knew he could take care of us and was just asking for a deeper reliance in my relationship with him. Everything I have, it's been given to me by God, and I'm just simply to steward it to the honor and glory of Him. So after learning of, you know, how faithful and kind God has been to me, even down to the very fact that He only asked for 10% of my first harvest, I really began to think and pray about tithing. I had called God my sustainer and provider, but was I willing to practice it? Did I want to talk about God's faithfulness, or did I want to truly experience it? And from that moment on, I decided, yes, I began to tithe. And I do it with automatic withdrawal because I didn't need any temptation to not follow through. I was still paycheck to paycheck, but still every month the money was withdrawn and I still had enough for my basic needs. So then I thought, hmm, how much farther can I take this? (laughs) How much farther can I go with my total reliance on him? I have a few different side jobs to help with paying off debt and some other extras. Before tithing, I honestly never thought of that money as a sustainment from Jesus. So then I offered it to him and I did an experiment. For one year, everything that came in, I gave 10% back to God. And for me, that looked like my church. And you know what? Within a year, I had given around $4,000 to the church by simply sticking to the practice of tithing. And the even crazier thing was that not only did I not miss that money, but I still had plenty to sustain and live on. He was my sustainer. Now, please understand this. This was not an easy task or a perfect discipline that solved all of my financial challenges. But what it did was teach me to surrender. And it also strengthened my faith tremendously in God as my provider, as my comforter, as my sustainer. It also taught me stewardship that has lasted me over eight years now. It's, again, not a perfect discipline. And it can look like 8% to your church and another 2% to a nonprofit or a local good partner that you're passionate about. It is mainly the act of surrendering what you think is good for the great that God has for you. It's about trust. It's about where your heart is. They say in um, Matthew, they say, God says, (laughs) in Matthew 6, 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. And I love that verse, and it's helped me through this time. So the other day, I was extremely challenged in my finances as well, and was concerned about my day-to-day living expenses and how I was going to afford 
just the basic necessities of living cost. I was on the phone to my dad and as we were talking through things, I said, you know what, I'll give up anything but my tithe and commitment to the nonprofit overseas. Now, to be honest, I'm not bragging. I am not a saint. I was shocked beyond belief those words came out of my mouth. My dad and I both sat in silence after I said those words. In years past, it would have been easy for me to eliminate those two things in order to give me more money for my day to day. However, after so many years of God's faithfulness to not only see me, but to assure me that he will sustain me, I knew those words to be true. So they just came right out of my mouth. And I am now six months into saying those words. And again, I've never missed that money, nor have been without basic necessities. He is faithful. He is my provider, and he will sustain me. It all started with the one step, a reliance to want to know more in my relationship with Jesus, to want to stand firm and tell the story of how he loves and provides, to trust that he is who he says he is. And in this world, actually experience it every day. This not only affected my look towards finances, but this also affected my look in so many other areas of my life with him. Um, It has opened my eyes, almost a domino effect of he's provided for me, who can I provide for? Who can I now see that I can now give to, whether that is um, basic necessities or donating money or donating my time, uh, going to these people that the Lord calls me to and says, I see you and he loves you and sees you too. And sharing my story that like, if if I can do it, if he does it for me, he's going to do it for you. You're his child too. Um, Another area of my life where I feel like this has deeply impacted me is kind of every area. So if I'm sick, I immediately go back, well, he provided here. Why wouldn't he provide here? Why wouldn't he be the sustainer, comforter, and provider in this area too? Or if I have a challenge at work, instead of completely thinking, I can do this on my own, I think, wait, who do you rely on? Who do you surrender to? Uh, remember his faithfulness here. He's going to be faithful here too. He's not going to abandon you or leave you. I've even like reading the word. This is going to sound crazy, but like learning to tithe and the context and history behind it and why it's so important kind of made me like a big old nerd for the word. (laughs) That is the cheesiest saying ever, but it's true. I really do enjoy like digging into the word and being like, listen, if this is true, then this whole thing has to be true. And if I know the context and his goodness of why he asked us to do this, then let's look over here and ask why, you know, he would ask me to do this. And I think I lived in a box of comfort, like, well, I have enough, so I'm good, I'm comfortable. And I didn't see outside of that world. I didn't see outside of my world. I didn't see the the hungry or the hurting because I was just trying to be comfortable in my box. But this has all kind of like domino affected in the way that I now see outside of it. So I know I can't be the only one who is living paycheck to paycheck or is worried about what living looks like in the world today. I know I can't be the only one. I just want to say to you, I also know the sacrifice it takes to maybe start tithing or start a discipline um, where you want a deeper, closer reliance on Jesus. And I want you to know that it is worth it. It really is worth it you will find that there is a creator out there who knows you by name and knows every hair on your head. And if he is that intimately to know you, he's gonna show up in the moments where you're afraid to take that one step. So I know, I know the sacrifice it takes to do that, but it is so worth it. 
Don't let something good get in the way of God's grace. Marissa took a big step in closing the gap between her belief and her behavior by putting her faith into action, as hard as it was in that moment. Yo, my hope for all of us is that we would do the same, that there would be no gap between what we say we believe and how we behave. My hope is that we would not just listen to Jesus's parables, but we would bring them into our lives and live out their truths. I've learned so much over the past seven weeks, from the purpose and power of parables to embracing my role in God's story and through living the stories we've listened to, I've learned that when taken at his word, God comes through on his promise to show up every single time. It might not be in the way that we expected or even hoped, but in the way that we need him in that moment. So let me say one final time, Y'all, we are all a part of a story that fits into God's bigger story, a story that he is still writing in my life and in yours. So as he reveals to you how your story fits into his, we'd love to hear about it at crosspoint.tv slash share your story. I hope that you like and subscribe to this podcast. If this episode has been meaningful to you, I hope that you share it on social media. You can tag us at crosspoint.tv. If we see your post, we might have the opportunity to repost your post. You can catch up on our Storytellers Sunday series from the entire summer at crosspoint.tv slash watch now. And check out the show notes for questions that will help you go deeper as you explore the parable that we talked about today. It has been an incredible honor to be on this storytelling journey with you. Thank you for tuning in these past seven weeks. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast email list to be the first to know when we plan on releasing another series. My hope and my prayer for you is that you would go live powerful stories, stories that include simple truths and eternal impact.